Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at this book before. It's a powerful book. It's an amazing story. I'm going to do my best to to quickly take us through the majority of of this story today. Um, My name is Kelly Wild. If you don't know me, I'm married to the amazing Pastor Chris, who I just gave a dig at. I'm so sorry. He really does know. He knows everything in the Bible. Of course, we all know that. So, um, but he is absolutely incredible. And he preached a powerful word last week. Um, If you didn't get a chance to hear it, I would really encourage you to go back and listen because I'm going to do my best to try to kind of just tag on to that message. But how many of you love Pastor Chris? I mean, we are blessed. I know I'm biased, but I know you all agree with me. We are blessed with the greatest pastor and preacher. And truly, um, it's hard to come up and follow after him, but I'm going to do my best to communicate what I feel the Lord gave me today to share. So I hope you're expectant this morning. I really believe that God um, has a word for us. I I had no idea that it was the 2000th service of our church. How incredible is that? How amazing. Come on, 2000. I love what Pastor Ken says. It, It signifies a shift. And unbeknownst to me, that's what the, the, I'm going to speak on today is that I felt like God is saying to us, there's a shift that is coming to our nation, to our world, to our current moment that we are experiencing. And if you know the book of Esther, you know that this book really parallels what our current moment. It's very similar to what we are going through right now. And I think that the, I think Esther represents the church. I think she is showing us as the bride of Christ what how we should navigate these tumultuous times that we are currently walking through. The political climate was was as as you just read heard some of it was crazy in the time that she was living in. How many of you would say the same is true today, right? A lot of crazy things happening in our world today. And I hope that the book of Esther, as I do my best to take us through it today, will encourage all of us today of how God would desire us as the church, as his mouthpiece, as his bride to navigate these times. Amen? Amen. So the book of Esther, I think there's two themes I really want to hit on today. And that is that there is purpose in your favor, the favor of God, and that there is power in our decree. There is purpose in the favor and there is power in our decree. If you know this, if you know uh, that, if you don't know this, I'm going to tell you as followers of Jesus, we are called to be both kings and priests. We have a priestly duty and we have a king's kingly, kingly duty. I'm going to say Kingsley because I have my king and my priest right here on the front row. We named our twins Kingsley and Presley, Presley meaning priest. And they are our little king and our priest. And I find it hysterical how they really fell into their roles. Presley is, Presley means priest, lover of the house of God. And he loves the house of God. I got to give a shout out to Koki because Koki is his favorite because during the pandemic, he would watch, um, he would watch Capital Church worship and just worship his heart out. He was like a baby. He was like one. And he just fell in love with Koki. So I have, he comes to the church a lot. So I have to tell him, you don't know this, but I tell him today's Koki day. <laughs> today's the day 
day when Cokie's on stage because he's because he's here other days. So he, you know, he's like, this is oh, this is the this is the really fun day. So we call it Cokie Day. That, that's not meant to be blasphemous at all. It's obviously Jesus. You know my heart. But I, I'm for a two-year-old now, a three-year-old. That's how we describe it to him. But to he, they are our little king and our priests. And I love that because they fall into their duties. Presley, he loves he loves the house of God. He loves worship. Where he loves even he's learning how to pray. And King, I love it. King is our decreer. He's our, he's the guy, he's, he's, he's the firstborn. He's going to tell us all what to do. And if you know the role of a king, right? A king would decree and whatever the king decreed and declared, it was done. It was good as done. And whatever the king decreed, the people had to follow. The same is true for us today. We are called not just to pray. We are called to decree. We are priests and kings. We are not just called to our prayer closet. How many of you know? Yes, that is probably our most important mission, prayer, right? And I'm going to talk about today what Esther modeled so well. Our first response should always be prayer. Amen? Should always be prayer. But I wonder, I was thinking about this the other day and thinking in the context of marriage. You know, it's one thing for me to go to my prayer closet and to tell Jesus, I trust you, God. I know you're good. I know you're faithful. Let's parallel that to marriage. It's one thing for me to go to Chris and say, babe, you are the best. I just love you so much. I know you got, you've got it. You're going to take care of our family, blah, 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 all the things, right? But then it's another thing then for me to go away from him and maybe to my friends or even maybe to myself begin to, to speak doubt and to say, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust him. I don't know if I can count on him. Yikes. I wonder if it's the same thing for God. I wonder if, if we, I had that revelation in prayer one day and I'm like, I wonder if we do that to God. You know, we go to our prayer closet and we say, God, you're good. And when we feel it in the moment and, you know, maybe we're worshiping or maybe it's on a Sunday morning and we feel the presence of God and we, we, declare, we, we pray and we, prof, we prophesy and we declare the word of God. But then when we go out of maybe the tangible presence and we go throughout our day, what is our confession? What are we declaring? Does it line up with what we're praying? I think that both are so important. We're not called to just be a priest. We're not called to just be a king, but we are called as kings and priests, as sons and daughters of God. We are called to both pray and to decree. And so what is, I wanna challenge us this morning, what is our confession? What are we declaring with our mouth? If you know this about God, you know that when God speaks, something happens. When God spoke, the world came into existence. Before God moves, he always speaks. He decrees a thing. He says a thing. And today, we are his mouthpiece on the earth. So before God can do something, he has to get us to first declare it. We have to be his voice to decree it. It's not just enough to pray it, but are we believing it throughout the day? If my kids were coming, you know, if my kids in the moment when they really wanted something and they were like, mom, can we go get ice cream today? You know, and they're in that moment. But then the rest of the day, they don't even talk about me. They don't even express their gratitude. They don't even express their trust. You know what I mean? Are we doing the same thing to God? So I think it's so important that we understand our king duty and our priest duty, that they are both important. Today, I want to emphasize and talk about the role of the, of the kingsly duty, our decree. Amen? 
Amen. So we're going to talk about today the purpose of favor and the power of the decree. I'm going to give a little bit of a quick background because I last I went way too long last service. How many of you are good for the next hour? You good? Okay, lock the doors. I only got through half my notes last time and I went over, so I'm going to just try. Okay, let's do this. Let's pray. Jesus, <laughs> thank you right now that you know exactly what words you want spoken. Holy Spirit, come speak through me, not my words, but your words. Lord, I pray every heart this morning would be receptive to hear what you're saying. I truly believe this is a Kairos moment, Lord, for our church. It's not an accident that this is the 2000th service. These things don't happen by chance. They're not accident, Lord. This is a shift moment for our church. And so, Lord, this morning, not my words, but your words, may they go forth in power and accomplish in each one of us what you are sending it out to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So a little bit of background on the book of Esther. So we have here King A. We're going to call him. Turn your neighbor and say King A. King A, he was in his, the story opens up. Man, I'm telling you, Hollywood could not write a better script than the book of Esther. If you have not gone through the book of Esther recently, I would encourage you to do so. I've gone through this book numerous times throughout the last two years. And every single time it just, oh, it's so good. I out loud, I'll be like, you can't make this up. It's so good. Like nobody could write a better script than this. This is how good and how amazing God's word is. And so the book opens up with King A and he's in his third reign and he, he's, he, he rules over all the way from India to Ethiopia. And his capital is in is Susa and that's where his throne resides. He's having this big, long, huge like festival, 180 days, I believe, if I'm doing my mouth correct, that's about six months. And can you imagine a six month feast and festival? And I mean, where did we go wrong? Why aren't we doing that? I mean, six months, half the year, they're just feasting and it's a, it's a festival and the king is showing off all of his grandeur, you know, all of his, uh, all of his riches, all of his glory. And I love this. It says at the end of the 180 days, as if that wasn't enough, they concluded it with another seven day feast where they invited all of Susa to join. Well, in the midst of, at the end of that seven day feast, there was a lot of uh, the book says drinking and going on and the king is, was drunk with wine and he called for his wife at the time, Queen Vashti, to come and to make an appearance for the Bible says that she was very beautiful and we can imagine he wanted to show her off. Well, Queen Vashti says no, that in rate, I'm going to give quick, I'm going to try to get us through this quickly. So if I paraphrase, just just go with it, okay? Queen Vashti says no. He gets mad. He, the advisors basically, in essence, say, out with, out with the queen. We're going to get a new queen. And they say, I know, let's just call all of the young virgins of the land, and, and you can just take your pick, whatever, whoever you want. The king says, that sounds great. So he, <laughs> he goes along with it. And um, the next, I love it. The Bible says the next day he wakes up, and he's like, come on. He's like, what just happened, you know? Um, but he'd already, it already was a done deal. So, at the, the and interesting to know, it was four years that went by between that time and the time that Esther would become queen. So this was a, a, a long process, right? So they said that we're going to call all these young women and we're going to give them twelve months of the spa. Again, where did we go wrong? What? What? Why aren't we doing this anymore? Huh? Six months of feasting. A year at the spa, babe, come on. <laughs> 
I, I mean, like, we can't even relate to this, right? We're like, we can't even commit to a two-hour dinner plan, you know? But they're just like, you know, they're like, a, a, a week's, that's not long enough. No, 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 let's do a year. Let's do a year. Let's soak them in the essential oils where all my essential oil people at. I mean, they're just like lavender oil, like the gallons, right? I mean, it's like frankincense, myrrh. They're just soaking them. They're like bathing. I mean, again, we keep, it, amazing, right? So after 12 months of this, then the, then the women begin to come before the king and present themselves. And, and there was a man named Haggai, I think I'm saying it right, but he was in charge of all of the women. And I love this because it says that Esther gained favor with Haggai. And the reason was, is because when they got to go before the king, they were able to take whatever they wanted with them to the palace. But Esther said, no, I don't need anything. And she, she took only what Haggai recommended. And what did that show? It showed a trust. It showed honor that she trusted him as her advisor. She, and it says that she was beginning to win the hearts of all of the people. We can learn something from Esther. Amen. Pastor Ken talked about that. What we're doing up there, we're showing honor to people. Esther lived a life of honor. And I love that. It says that she got to go before the king. And it says that she, immediately the king, the king found favor with her. It says that this, the king loved Esther more than all of the women. And she won grace and favor in his eyes more than all of the virgins. So much so he put the royal ring on her finger, or, or sorry, royal crown on her head, made her the queen and threw a feast, another feast in her name. I think they only feast. I, I don't know what else they do, but lots of feasts going on. Um, so we have here now Queen Esther. She's been appointed the queen. And it says that she found favor with the king and not just the king, but all of his advisors and officials. So we see this theme of favor in Esther's life that we're going to talk about a little bit more. But, but skipping along, we now have Mordecai, who Mordecai, we can assume, was, had been promoted to some type. He was some type of official, and he was in the court's palace. When he happened over here, again, I love all of the happenstance that happens in this book. We, if, you don't, if you know the book of Esther, you know the name of God is never mentioned, but you see the hand of God all throughout the book. So Mordecai just happens to overhear these two eunuchs that are conspiring against the king and plotting to kill them. So he gets wind of this. Of course, he tells Queen Esther and he, um, she tells the king and those two eunuchs are dealt with. And it's recorded in the book of Chronicles what Mordecai does. Next, we have Haman who comes on the scene. How many know there's a lot of Hamans in our world right now? If you don't know who Haman is, let me tell you. Haman becomes uh, the king's most trusted advisor, like the second in command, and he is wicked. He is a wicked man. And he d he's arrogant, like the king. <laughs> he's, he's arrogant. He's probably narcissistic. He, he wants people to, to uh, worship him. And so it says that Haman went out to the court and he saw Mordecai and all the people begin to bow and honor him. And Mordecai did not. Mordecai did not bow down to him. Well, this enraged Haman because Haman wanted the, he wanted the honor of everybody there. So he discovered that Haman, or that, sorry, Mordecai was a Jew and it wasn't good enough for him to just deal with Haman. He decided he was going to kill all of the Jews. So we have now a wicked man who is, um, who goes before so, or sorry, he goes to, first to his wife. Sorry, there's a lot of details of the story. He goes to his wife and his advisors and says, what should I do about this man who will not honor me? 
and um, they say, I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm, yeah, sorry. So they suggest to him, write a, let's write a decree and let's have all of the, the Jews be killed. So he goes before the king and he presents this to him. And I want to read this again. I know Trinity read it. But he goes to King A and he says this, there is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. Think of the language here. Certain people, the disdain, the disgust. Their laws are different from those of other people and they do not keep the king's laws. So this is not to the king's profit to tolerate them. If it please the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed. And I will pay the king 10,000 talents for those who, who do this. So the king takes his signet ring from his hand and gives it to Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, the money is given to you, the people also do with them as it seems good to you. Can you imagine a decree that's being written? It says to kill every woman, man, child that, that calls himself a Jew, that worships the one true God. Can I tell you, there are decrees that have been spoken over our current situation. Decrees just like this of death and destruction. If you follow Jesus, you know the end goal is always after the church. There is a decree of death and destruction that we have seen at play in our world, in our current moment, very similar to the decree. It's not maybe as obvious, but it's still there. How many of you know the enemy's mission statement has not changed? He is still, his mission statement is the same, to steal, kill, and destroy. Nothing has changed. We read these stories and it's so obvious to us looking back, but we think, well, it's not really like that anymore. No, no, no. Do not be mistaken. The gods of this current world hate you just as much as Haman hated Mordecai. Why? Because, he ref because we refuse to bow down and worship them. The gods of this current world, how many of you know we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of darkness. There are Hamans at work in our current moment that hate you. And because you will refuse to bow down and worship them, make no mistake what the end goal is, that they want to steal, kill, and destroy. So the decree had been sent out by Haman. And it says this, it says that the king, after the decree was sent out, the king and Haman sat down for a drink. Think of that. While it says the whole city was thrown into confusion. Think of the arrogant disdain. The, 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 I mean, just the, the worst kind of, you couldn't even fathom, right? They just ordered the execution of a whole people group. And they sit down for a drink like it's nothing. Could it be similar to our current moment? I, I believe that it is. You see, Haman hated the Jews. He was the en it says that he was the enemy of the Jews. And nothing has changed in our day. This, today, the Jews represent the church, the bride of Christ. So chapter four, it goes on to say Mordecai, he's, he hears of this decree. He is grieved. He, is, he tears his clothes. He lets out a loud cry. Can you imagine if, uh, if this was you? That, that there, in, it says in one day that, that people can just murder and slaughter them like they're animals in one day. And so Mordecai is absolutely grieved and torn, but this is what I love about Mordecai. It's, it, the text will go on to say that Mordecai, though he grieved the decree, 
he did not put his hope in, he did not put his trust in that decree. He knew that God had a greater decree. He said, he comes to Esther and he says to Esther, Esther, you've got to do something about this. And, and she says, you know the law, you know I cannot go before the king unsummoned or else I could die. And he says, Esther, if you remain silent, deliverance will surely come. But who knows, but your family might perish. But who knows if you have been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. I love Mordecai. He knew deliverance will come. No, this is not final. This is not the final say. This decree of death and destruction on, on our current moment over our world is not final. Is not the end. It is not the end. God has a greater decree, and I love Mordecai. He said, oh no, deliverance will come. He knew, but he said, but Esther, who knows if you've been called to this, this position for such a time as this. Esther, you have been positioned in this hour for such a time as this. Can I encourage you that you have been called to the earth for such a time as this? It is not an accident that you are breathing oxygen, sitting in this chair, in this church, in this neighborhood, in this city, in this nation at this time. It is not happenstance. It is not an accident. God put you here on this earth for a purpose. And there is a job for you to do. And if you won't do it, God's so big that he can raise someone else to do it. But who knows? God wants to use you. God wants to use Capital Church. God wants to use his church to bring the change our world needs. I'm telling you, our government will not save us. Our, the government will not change the world. I'm telling you, the businesses and, 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 and no, it is only, I can't think of anything else. It is only the church. The church is the hope of the world. The church is the answer. And some of us, we're still looking to government officials to fix things. And I'm sorry, God works through government officials. God, we will see in the story that God is very involved in government. God is very, why? Because, because, gov because policies affect people. So of course God is involved, right? And God uses, God wants to raise up righteous people in government. But ultimately it is the church that will transform and save the world. Jesus said, greater things will you do. I go to be with the Father, but I send to you the Holy Spirit, the helper. He's here to help us. And I love this. So this is Esther's response. So Mordecai comes and he says, you've got to go before the king. You've got to beg him for favor, Esther. And, and Esther says this. I love her response. She had enough wisdom to know. She said, no, I can't beg for the king's favor. I have to earn his heart. I have to win over his heart. She knew there was a right way to go about it. She, she knew she couldn't demand. You know, in our current moment, there's a lot of demands, right? We can't demand back. We might, we might be right, but it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. It's the way in which you say it. Because I love Esther, she knew, no, I gotta win him over first. I gotta win over the king, I gotta win his favor. And then when I have his heart, I can speak truth to him. I think that's such good advice that we need in our current moment. So what does Esther do? She says, let's stop and let's pray. Our first response should always be to pray. I love, Joyce Meyer says it this way, don't go to the phone, go to the throne. We go to the throne. That's our first response. 
And so Esther said, gather all of the people and for three days, do not eat or drink and let us pray. At the end of those three days, I will then defy the law, go before the king. She wasn't allowed to do that unless she was summoned. But she said, after we've prayed and we've sought God's favor, then I will go, I will be brave and I will seek the king's favor. And if I perish, I perish. Man, I just think that's so, oh, I love Esther. She's so wise. And this is such a picture for the church today. She waits, she's not reactive. She, she doesn't rush to judgment. If Esther was in our day, let me tell you what, she'd pray before she posts. She would stop. Now I'm not saying she wouldn't post, but, but she would be like, okay, let's just pause. Everybody just pause, everybody. I mean, think of, think of the turmoil in that day, right? I mean, it's just like, we can't even fathom and we kind of can fathom, right? Because it, to me, it feels very similar to our current moment, but it's, it's, it was much more obvious because the decree had been written by the king and sent out. And so there's just panic, there's mayhem. There's just, you know, people are losing their minds. They're terrified. But I love Esther. She didn't rush to judgment. She didn't, she didn't quickly react. She said, no, we're gonna stop and we're gonna pray. Not just one day, not just two days, but three days. We're not going to react. We're not going to demand. We're going to stop and we're going to seek God. And we're going to, I love what Hebrews, I think I have that scripture, Hebrews 4, 5. It'll come up there, but it says this. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. That word grace is cheris. Cheris, I think I said it right. And it also means favor. Grace and favor, they're synonymous. We can come boldly to the throne of God's favor, to obtain help in our time of need. And I love that. She knew she couldn't have the favor of the king until she first had the favor of this king. And so she stopped and she waited and she, she took three days and she prayed. And she said, if at the end of those days, I will go before the king. And if I perish, I will perish. I believe a similar decree has been sent over our world today. I, I do believe there's a decree of death and destruction. And ultimately it's aimed at the church. We know that the enemy has tried so hard to shut down the churches, to silence the church. And are we to sit idly by and do nothing? No, I love what Mordecai said. If you remain silent, we're not called to be silent, but we must first come boldly to the throne of his grace and favor and obtain the help that we need. And then he gives us favor before kings and authority and political figures and whatever you fill in the blank so that we can then have a voice to speak in. I love that about Esther. She was so, she was so wise. So Mordecai shows Esther the written decree for the destruction. And the decree had already been, like I said, it had already been sent out. And I, I love this because Colossians 4, 5, it says this. It says, we are to walk in wisdom toward outsiders. We are to let our speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that we may know how we ought to answer to each person. Before the pref sorry, I was reading. Before that scripture, it Paul prefaces that with prayer. He says, "In the setting of prayer, continue." It, it, this scripture is in the setting of prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer. So, in that place of prayer, wisdom is gained 
to, uh, to Esther. And she won favor in the sight of God and therefore she won favor in the sight of the king. So she goes, so now I'm going to jump ahead. Um, so, sorry. Okay, so now we're at about, where are we? Chapter five, I believe. Um, or no, chapter, who knows? <laughs> who knows? But so, so, the, so the decree had been sent out um, over the Jews. You can't make up the, the next part of the things that happened. It's the hand of God all over it. And I'm just going to try to quickly paraphrase because we got to get going. But the, so Mordecai sends out the decree. I told you he had a sat down with a drink with the king. He's just happy. He's just like so excited. I mean, and he goes out to um, go home and he sees Mordecai and Mordecai refuses to bow down to him again. He goes home. He's just absolutely enraged. He talks to his wife and his friends and he says, what should we do? And she says, oh, I know. Why don't you just build some gallows for Mordecai to be hung. And you know, you, you have the, the king's ear, so you can just go to him in the morning and just order uh, Mordecai's execution. And Haman in his arrogance says, yes, that sounds lovely. And so he has gallows made. Mind you, the story tells us there were already gallows made, right? But he has new gallows made for Mordecai. That's, it says they are 75 feet high. I mean, does anybody know how tall the ceiling is? I don't know. I feel like that's, how many? 26? What? So three of these ceilings. Holy cow. I mean, how did they get up there? <laughs> oh, Scott knows. They had a pulley? Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like imagining a big ladder. I don't know. So 70, can you imagine three feet? So what is, so this is symbolic, I believe, of his towering rage for the Jews, his complete disgust and disdain for God's people. And it also, I think, represents that he wanted to make the people, the people of God a public spectacle. He wanted to make a public spectacle out of Mordecai and hang him for everybody to see. So he has these gallows made. He goes to bed and, and the next morning plans to come and have the king hang Mordecai. The next thing that happens is just the, the hand of God. You, you can't make this up. So it's divine insomnia. How many of you know sometimes insomnia is from the Lord? <laughs> because what happens next is the king is not able to sleep that night. And he is just tossing and turning. He has insomnia from the Lord. So sometimes you got to thank God. God has something to say to you in that moment. And he cannot sleep. So he orders some of it, an someone to come and read to him the book of Chronicles. He just happens to open it up to the part where, where it was written. I told you earlier where Mordecai had saved the king's life by, by discovering the plot of those two eunuchs that wanted to kill him and, and save the king's life. And it was recorded in the book of Chronicles. And the king says, wait a second. What, well, did we do anything for this guy? I mean, did we get him a Starbucks card at least or something? I mean, and, and they're like, well, no, we, we didn't do anything. And so, so rem remember that, that the enemy had planned to kill Mordecai the next day. Oh, but God had a different plan. God was giving the king, the, God was telling the king that no, not, he didn't want 
want Mordecai to be killed. He wanted to honor Mordecai. So you need to trust God that God knows what he's doing. You need to be patient. You need to let wait. God, God will, God will promote you at the right time. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing in our current moment. And so I love this. It says that the next morning, Haman came into the court's palace to, you know, talk to the king about killing Mordecai. And the king says, oh, good, Haman, you're here. Come here. Come here. I need to talk to you about something. And he says, okay, so listen, there's this man that I want to honor. And okay, so I need your advice. What, what should I do to honor him? And Haman in his arrogance is like, of course he's talking about me. So he's just like, oh, well, if you want to honor someone, King, you should like, I'm going to paraphrase, but you should like put on the, on the finest robes and put your ring on his finger and put him on a donkey or a mule or a camel, whatever it was, and you should parade him around the town and you should say, this is what happens to the man the king delights to honor. It, to honor. And the king says, that sounds great. Okay, go get Mordecai and do that to him. <laughs> Come on, you cannot make this up. This is the greatest movie that was ever written. Hollywood couldn't even come close to this. So, so, so here's Haman thinking that he has just, he, I mean, how many of you would say that's the enemy today? He thinks he won. He thinks that he's got this sign sealed and delivered. And he's like, just waiting. He's like, okay, I can just sit back and I can have a drink. And no, 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 don't underestimate what God can do. God is in control. And so God said, not only, only will I stop the plan of the enemy. Oh, but I'm going to boomerang back on the enemy what the enemy intended for Mordecai. I'm going to put it on Haman. Come on. Isn't that amazing? I, at the beginning of 2020, God gave me this, this scripture and the message translation says that it says, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it says, and God boomeranged back on Haman, what was intended for Mordecai. I'm telling you what, God is about to boomerang back. The enemy has decreed to death and destruction over the church and he thinks he's won. He thinks he's kept us silent, but I'm telling you, God is getting ready to break out and he will defend his bride and the enemy will not have the final say. God will have the final say. If God can give insomnia to a king and happen to have him read the book of Mordecai, I mean, you can't make this up. This is the divine hand of God. We need to believe God is doing that in our current moment. And he is, he is. There is, do you think the people of the, of the, the king, king, this king's kingdom had any clue what was going on behind the scenes? No. They had no clue, right? We have no clue what God is doing behind the scenes, but we can trust that God has the final say. And so here we go. So now we have Mordecai being paraded around the town by his enemy who had planned to kill him. He, at the end of this, Haman is mortified and he goes back home and he goes back to his wife and even his wife, it says, she was like, you're screwed, basically. Sorry, I don't know how else to say it. That's the quick, quick message paraphrase translation. She even says, she, oh, I have, ba- I have my babies in here. Sorry, don't say that word. Um, she, <laughs> she, she even says, wow, it seems to me there's something bigger at play here. There's something 
figure at work here that seems to be protecting Mordecai and the Jews. So at the, at, as this is happening, in come the people summoning Haman to the feast that Esther had set up. So Esther, I forgot to say that, but Esther, so she's, when the king said, you have found favor in my eyes. What can I do for you? She was very wise. She didn't, she knew it wasn't the time, but she said, come to a banquet dinner. And um, she both, she invited both her and Haman. Talk about preparing a presence, uh, preparing a table in the presence of your enemies, right? And so she had invited both Haman and the king to a banquet. She, ha- they had the banquet. She won him over. And then she said, come to another banquet. So here we are at the second banquet and Haman is arriving at the banquet and he's thinking, well, at least I'm here. I'm sure Esther, I'm here. I'm sure I'm here because Esther wants to honor me. So the king, after, the, after again, it, the theme of favor is all throughout this book. And you, and you see the king once again says to her, Esther, you have found favor in my eyes. Please, please, please tell me now, what can I do for you? And the queen says, she says, well, there is a, a man, a wicked man who has plotted to kill my people. And the king says, what? Who is this man? And she says, it is this man, Haman. Oh man, Haman's not having a good day. You thought you were having a, you thought you had a bad day? Haman's having a really bad day. And he is like, what? And so the king is just outraged. You would do this to my wife? And he, he leaves the, the, he goes to the, the, the courtyard or whatever, the, whatever it is, the garden. And, and at the, as that's happening, Haman, he just, he just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. He starts, he falls to the feet of, of Esther and is pleading with her, uh, please Esther, save me. At that exact timing, the king walks in and says, what? Now you attack my wife as well? And so he says, you know, basically off with his head, he says, you know, Haman, you're gone. You're out of here. And I love this. Someone's, and he says, what should we do? And someone says, oh, well, there's these big gallows. They're just like out there. They're like really tall. I don't even know why they're there, where they came from. I have no idea. And the king says, great, hang him on those gallows. And let me tell you what, what the enemy has set up for your destruction, for the destruction of the church, will be the very demise of the enemy in our current moment. Do you believe that, church? What the, the very thing the enemy thought was going to be our demise will be his demise. The very thing that he was going to use for our destruction will be his destruction. I'm telling you what, God is bigger. He's a thousand trillion steps be- ahead of the enemy. He, the enemy, he will let the enemy think that he won. That's exactly what happened on the cross, right? But three days later, Jesus rose from the grave, defeating death and hell itself. So we too, in our current moment, we need God's favor. We need favor with man. Esther knew that. She didn't demand that the king listen to her. And in our current moment, we too, we cannot demand. I really believe that we have to win over the hearts of people. I love this. One person says, faith is the currency of heaven. Perhaps favor is the currency of man. God gives us favor with man because it opens up doors. When we have favor with people, it opens up doors of opportunity, doors of blessing. And it's not just, favor isn't about your advancement. It's about the kingdom's advancement. Favor is all about advancing the kingdom. So God wants to open doors for you. 
because then he can come in and fill the room. He will open the door for you so that he can come in and fill the room. So you should expect favor on your life. You should come boldly to the throne of grace and favor first. And then as you gain favor with God, expect God to give us as the church favor with man. We need favor with man in our current moment to shift our culture. We need opportunities to speak into our, into the, into the, our government, into our schools, and into uh, our businesses, whatever it is. We need favor with man to shift the culture. Remember, God will use the church. It is the church that he will use to shift things, as Pastor Ken talked about this morning. So Esther spends her favor. I love this idea. She spends her favor. Favor has a purpose attached to it. The king said to her, Esther, because you have found favor with me, what can I now do for you? Your favor is meant to be spent. It's for a purpose. It's not just so that you can just have a good, easy life. No, God wants to give you favor so that you can be used by him to transform your world. He wants you to shift culture. He wants you to speak truth into a world where lies are being spewed all over. He wants you to be his mouthpiece to speak truth to people. Amen. So your favor is meant to be spent. Amen. Amen. And so, thank you, mom. I'm skipping around because I have so much more I want to say, but I just don't have time to say it all. But I love this. Isaiah 55, 11 says this. So also, will be, so also will be the word that I speak. It does not return to me unfulfilled. My word performs my purpose and fulfills the mission that I sent it to accomplish. God's word will not return void it will accomplish what it is sent to do. So God, before he moves, he speaks. But he is not walking the earth today, we are. And so we are now his mouthpiece. So could it be that before, that God wants to do infinitely more on the earth today than, that, than what's happening? I believe that. I believe there's far more that God wants to be happening and he is just waiting for his sons and daughters to agree with heaven and say, God, what are you saying? At the beginning of the, uh, 2020, you know, when all hell was breaking loose and it was like, we're, we're all like, what's happening in the world? I would go into my prayer closet and I would say, I, I would shut out the other voices. I'm like, God, I don't care what the media is saying, particularly. And I don't care what other, what circumstances are saying. I don't care what officials are saying. God, what are you saying? What are you saying right now on the earth? What are you saying right now over our nation? And I would pray in the spirit and I would just begin to decree what I heard God saying. And I would say things like this, surely I will restore this nation back to its original design. Surely I will restore righteousness and justice in this land. For I am not done, says the Lord. And I began to decree and I would, I just, I, I didn't even know what I was saying, but I was just a mouthpiece. I just was going before the throne. And I would say, God, what are you saying? What are you saying in this hour? And then I would begin to speak it out because God is looking for us. He's looking for kings and priests who will not just pray, but will just declare, who will say, yes, yes. 
I agree with that. I line up with that. Back, we don't understand decrees because we don't have them in our day. But back in that, that day, they understood when a decree was sent, it was final. It was final. So much so, in fact, that once Haman was, was dead, the decree, the demonic decree was still at play. It had still, it was still at play. And a, and a decree that had been stamped with the, the ring of the king could not be revoked. So after Haman died, Esther still fell at the feet of the king weeping. And she said, king, what can we do? Because the decree, the demonic decree has gone over the land. And I love what the king said. He says, Esther, get some pen and paper and you write whatever you want for the Jews and I will put my stamp on it. Could it be that God is saying that to us today? What do you want? What are you believing for? Our Pastor Chris talked about last week, are we desperate enough? Are we, it's because the only way that a demonic decree that's at play in our world right now can be overthrown is by a greater decree. A greater decree that makes that decree null and void and impossible. So God is looking to us as the church today. He said, will you agree with me? Will you agree with what I am saying? We've got to stop confessing the enemy's decree. We've got to stop confessing the bad news. Now, I'm not saying that we can't highlight injustices in our world. We should. We should speak to that. But I, I think so often we're so obsessed with what the enemy is doing. When God says, no, forget about that. Like Just like with, with Esther, God was 10 billion steps ahead of Haman. And God is ahead of the Hamans in our world today. They will not have the final say. God will have the final say. So let's stop decreeing the enemy's plans and what he is doing. And let's start saying, God, I know it might look bad, but you are in charge. You are in control. You are the head, not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You who began a good work are faithful to complete it. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. Who was, who is, who is to come. God, I thank you that, that, that you were cause all things to work together for our good because we love you and are called according to your purpose. Come on, you gotta open up your Bible and you gotta start decreeing the promises of God over your family, over our nation, and over our world. God is not done, amen? Do you believe that this morning? God is not done. And so I wanna challenge us as Capital Church. We are blessed to be a part of a church that has taught this for many years. We are blessed. I, I think if ever a church catches this, it's our church. I think that we, I th- I'm so proud of Capital Church. Like I think we model this so well. But I, I think as Pastor Ken said, there's a shift for us today. There, there is a new dimension that God wants us to enter into. This is our Esther moment. And we cannot remain silent. Mordecai said, if you remain silent, we cannot remain silent. We must speak. And I believe the greatest way that we can speak is we go to our prayer closet and we say, God, what are you saying? And then we begin to declare and we begin to decree and we begin to confess, not just in our prayer closet, but all throughout our day. Lord, I know it might look bad, but God, I thank you that you're faithful. God, I thank you that you're good. If you need healing in your body, I'm telling you what, when God speaks a decree over your life, the enemy will always send a counterfeit decree. 
If God has declared healing over your life, guess what he's going to do? He's going to speak a decree of sickness over you. He's going to convince you that you are sick and you can never be healed. If you, if God has spoken a decree of blessing over your life, you know what he will do? He will try to convince you that you are in lack. There is always a counterfeit decree. How do you know what it is? It's the exact opposite of what God is speaking over you. The enemy is not creative. He's not original. So all he's going to do is he's going to say, hey, hear what God's saying over you. And then he's going to say, nope, the opposite's true. And he's going to send out a demonic decree. So the question to you today, what decree are you going to believe? What decree are you going to line up with? What decree are you not only going to pray, but are you going to confess throughout your day? Are you going to confess the enemy's decree over your life? Or are you going to say, despite what it looks like, Despite how I feel, I'm going to choose to believe the decree of the Lord. I'm going to choose to trust that he who promised is faithful. And he is faithful, friends. He is faithful. I promise you that. One thing I can, I can testify in my life, I've been through a lot of things in my life, but I can promise you God is always faithful. He will always turn things for your good. Circumstances are temporary, but God's promises are eternal. So let's put our trust in God's promises. Amen. I'm going to have you stand and I want to share one last, one last thought and then we're going to pray. I love this scripture too. Uh, Proverbs 8, 15 says, by me, kings reign and rulers will decree what is just. Proverbs 38 through nine says, but you are to be a king who speaks up on behalf of the disenfranchised and pleads for the legal rights of the defenseless and those who are dying. We are to be a righteous king judging on behalf of the poor and interceding for, the, for, the, for those most in need. This is who we are called to be church. And there's a scripture, uh, there was a story of a, a prop, I was reading this book and this prophet, she was sharing the story and it just stuck with me. I feel like I have to share, but she, the Holy Spirit speaks to her in amazing ways. And she, he's, he said to her, set the time. And she said, set the time. And she looked at her watch and it said 847. Long story short, God led her to Luke 847. And it's the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And God began to say to her over and over, set the time. And as she began to seek revelation, what God was saying, he began to speak to her. You know, the story with Jesus, Jesus was walking. He wasn't, he wasn't on his way to heal the woman with the issue of blood. He was on another destination. But the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, she struggled. As Pastor Chris talked about last week, she was desperate. And she decided, because I know that he's good, because I know that he is who he says he is. I'm going to reach out and I'm gonna reach into the future and I'm gonna grab a hold of by faith right now and I'm gonna pull it in and I'm gonna set the time for my healing. And I just think that's so powerful that God perhaps is saying to us today, set your time. Some of you have been believing for a long time for a breakthrough. Some of you have been contending for a long time for healing. Perhaps God is saying to us today, because he's so deeply relational, set your time, daughter. Set your time, son. How bad do you want it? 
How desperate are you? I remember when Chris and I were first dating, he would always initiate the phone calls and he would call me. And there was one particular day, day where I didn't hear from him. And I was like, oh no, what's wrong? And I just heard the Holy Spirit say, you call him this time. And so I nervously called him. And later he told me that he was kind of wondering, it was like a little test, you know? He was like, is she just being nice to me? Or, or does she want to talk to me? Will she initiate? And I think sometimes God is saying that to us. I think sometimes we sit back and we just say, God, you're God, you're gonna do what you wanna do. I think God is just so deeply relational. He's saying, no, I, I, I want, what do you want? What do you want? Because it's not like we're demanding because of our arrogance. We're saying, we're saying, no, God, I know you're just so good. I know like with the leper, he said, if you're willing. And Jesus said, oh, I am willing. I am willing. And I think sometimes God just wants to see how bad do you want it? How desperate are you? How desperate are we right now for a breakthrough in our world? How desperate are we? Perhaps by faith, we can set the time. We can say, as Pastor Ken said today, today is a shift. We're declaring today, today is a shift in our nation. Today is a shift in our physical bodies if you need healing. Today is a shift in your marriage if you need breakthrough. Whatever you're needing today, I want you to believe. Today, let's set the time. But like the woman, she reached out and she grabbed a hold of it and she said, because I know you're good and I know you can, I'm gonna grab my blessing and I'm gonna bring it into the now. I'm gonna grab my breakthrough and I'm gonna bring it into the now. I'm gonna grab my healing and I'm gonna bring it into the now. If you need a divine reversal in your life, how many of you know we need a divine reversal? in our world, let's believe that we can grab a hold of it. God's just looking. Hey, he's like, I'm willing. I want to, but who's going to agree with me? Who's going to declare it? Who's going to decree it? So church, with every eye closed, I want you to close your eyes and we're going to decree this morning. We are going to, we are going to line up with the decree of heaven and say, God, what are you saying? What are you saying, God, over our nation? What are you saying, God, over the nations of the world? What are you saying to the church? What are you saying to my family? What are you saying to the breakthrough that I've been believing for? Lord, by faith right now, like the woman with the issue of blood, we exercise our faith muscle and we stretch it out and we see that you are good. And therefore we grab a hold of your goodness. We grab a hold of the breakthrough, the blessing, the promise, whatever it is, and God, we set the time and we pull it into the now and we say, God, would you do it? Yeah. Yeah. Our job is just to believe. Yeah. Our job is just to pray and to confess. You are the one who brings the miracle. So by faith right now, we declare that you are faithful. You are in control. You are in charge. You are not up in heaven panicking, wondering what to do. No, God, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the ruler of this world and of the ages. There is nothing too difficult for you, nothing too hard for you, nothing too small that you don't concern yourself with, nothing impossible that you can't overcome. I thank you, Jesus, that you said we will be overcomers because you are an overcomer. So Father, right now by faith, we thank you for the breakthrough. We thank you for the shift. Just with your own mouth, just begin to declare that out. Just begin to decree that out. Come on, you can get loud in this place. 
Just begin to decree, begin to declare whatever you're, whatever you're believing for, whatever you're needing. Let's set the time today. Come on, church, we can be louder than that. Begin to decree, begin to declare. He's faithful, he's good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. So Lord, right now, by faith, we declare that you are healing bodies. We declare that you're restoring marriages. You're binding up the wounds, the broken places. If you need a miracle this morning, can you just lift your hands? I wanna pray for you and I wanna decree over you. You know, you can't have a miracle without a problem, right? But a lot of times we stop at the problem, we get overwhelmed by the problem. But the problem is just an opportunity for God to do a miracle. It's just an opportunity for God to show off his goodness, his faithfulness in your life. So God, with every hand lifted this morning, we decree the miracle working power of our God. We declare that nothing is too hard for you, Lord. Nothing is too difficult, God. So we're gonna be like Abraham. We're gonna hope again. We're gonna believe again. I thank you, God, that we're gonna begin to decree the faithfulness of our God. I thank you, Jesus, that when, we are, when we're out and we're about, we're not gonna forget. We're not gonna complain. We're not gonna grumble, but God, we are gonna confess your faithfulness, Jesus. So right now, in every, with every hand lifted, we decree miracles. We decree signs and wonders. We decree healing. We decree breakthrough. Whatever they're needing right now, God, we thank you that you are at work in their lives. And we thank you for it in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.